Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmaty, brought to you by lisatarmaty.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits this week. So I have to guest Dave Liao this time. Now, Dave is a repeat offender on the show, and I love having him to guest. He is one of my great mentors, and I hope you're going to get a lot out of today's session. Today, it's all about feet. uh, So this is one for the runners out there, for sure, but also for just – you know, optimizing your 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 foot health and also the whole kinetic chain. Your feet are where you connect with the ground, obviously, and it affects your whole body. So we go to a deep dive into looking after yourself as re- in regards to your feet. Uh, for the runners out there, it's all about plantar fasciitis and bunions and picking the right running shoes. But there's also for, um, a whole lot in there for people who just have want to know about good foot health. Um, before we head over to the show, uh, Christmas is coming, so if you want to grab one of my books or one of my jewellery pieces. I'd love that. You can head over to lisatarmaty.com. All of the things are on there. And uh, we're going to be having a little wee break over the Christmas period, maybe one, maybe two weeks from the show. I'm not quite sure at this stage, depending on the team's requirements over that period. So um, I hope you do have a good time of the Christmas. Um, and if you're listening to this afterwards, I hope the New Year's starting off really well for you. Um Before I go over to the show, uh, just a reminder, I do have a couple of places left. We're nearly full on our one-on-one consultations, health optimization coaching. If you have a problem that you'd like to uh, get help with, whether it's a high performance, whether you're a top athlete and wanting to get to the next level, whether you're wanting to work on your mindset, or maybe you've got a really uh, complicated health challenge that you're just not getting any answers for or you're having trouble sifting through all of the information and getting the right stuff, then please reach out to me, lisa at lisatarmaty.com. Right, now over to the show with Dave Liao from The Holistic Movement Coach. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back. Today, I have the amazing, the incredible, the awesomest Dave Liao on the show. Dave, welcome back. Repeat offender. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super stoked for to have podcast, you today. You mean, right? You're a repeat yeah. offender for the podcast, coming back okay, to, to give us up. more. Not Yeah, you're not an offender in any other way. Um, Dave is an expert that I've had on uh, before, and he's definitely one of my mentors, and he's mentored Neil, my business partner, for, for many years, and he is a mentor to many of the coaches and top uh, trainers in New Zealand and Australia. So that's Dave's background, and you've got a background in, in physiology, don't you, Dave? Yep. But you have a company called The Holistic Movement Coach, and we'll, uh, you, and we're and we going to talk today about feet people. I was like, mm. wow, that's a really interesting topic to talk about. But it is. It's really, really exciting. Last time when I had you on the show, we talked about the science of light, and that was one of the most popular episodes. So I'm really um, oh, great to have mm. you back on and, and to share some more of your absolute amazing wisdom. So today we've picked feet. Uh, what are we going to talk about, Dave? How, how, what are we going to share about feet and what you need to be aware of? Well, feet are one of those interesting ones. So, from as a as a movement professional, which is really my background, um, although being a holistic movement coach, if you just look at movement, you're going to come unstuck pretty soon. So, when I started looking at movement, though, uh, one of the things that I noticed that was one of the areas that was neglected were feet. So, mm-hmm. we're seeing you're looking at people's lumbar spines all the time and tell them to widen their shoulders and lengthen the top of their head, but a lot of trainers and movement professionals weren't even looking at people's feet. They had no idea what was going on 
uh, underneath those shoes of theirs. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who um, might think about maybe the back or whatever, imagine if someone was wearing a big potato sack over their whole body and you couldn't see where their spine was at trying to train them. So trying to work with someone and get them to move well without looking at their feet uh, is, for me, just crazy. Yep, nonsensical, yep. And we've got, we've got 28 bones in the feet. So 28 bones. And we've got 55 articulations from below the knee there. Wow. So uh, over a third of the bones are in their feet there. So that tells you about just how important that area is there. If we have a look at the muscles that run down below the knee too, we've got 50 muscles. Um, so out of that 276 or so muscles, I think that's about right, muscles we have, 50 of them are below the knee. So that shows you just how important that area is. And it's an area that I think has been largely neglected yep. by movement professionals. Yep. That makes, it, that makes a total amount of sense. And um, we're on them all day. And we just shove them in a pair of shoes. And sometimes those shoes are, you know, like ladies' high heel shoes and oh. tight shoes and badly shaped shoes and uh, don't do a lot of barefoot, going out barefoot. Um, let's start there. Let's start, like, what do shoes do? When we put a pair of shoes on our feet, um, yeah. what sort of things are we taking away from our brain? You know, like uh, I always liken it to going around with a pair of gloves on my hands all day. I'm not going to be able to paint a picture and knit, knit anything, am I? Because I've just taken away all my proprioception and my, and my, my ability to coordinate those fine, fine motor controls with my hands. So we get that sort of analogy, but actually mm. we do that to our feet all the time. Absolutely. That's a, that's a wonderful analogy there, Lisa. And um, so the representation in your brain of your body is called the homunculus. So imagine that your, your brain has representations of all your different body parts. And some body parts are represented very, very, uh, have a very large representation in the brain wow. because they, they have a lot of sensation and require a lot of fine, fine movement. So there's a huge representation in your brain of your face because if you look at the number of expressions you can do and the articulations you can do with your tongue, your lips, uh, there's a lot of uh, area in the brain devoted to the face. Mm. Same with the hands as well. So if you look at the fine movements you can do in your hands, there's an also, uh, and, and how sensitive your hands are, say compared to your elbow, uh, it's incredible how much space in the brain is devoted to the hand. Now, one other area is the feet. The feet have a massive representation in, in the brain as well. With that, though, we know the brain's plastic. It, it can it can evolve and it will adapt to whatever environment you're putting it into. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're walking around with the, the gloves on your hand, yep. or in this case, as one of my mentors, Philip Beach, would say, with sensory deprivation chambers on your feet, wow, you'll lose you'll lose that uh, representation in your brain. And the bottom of the feet is extremely proprioceptive. There's mm-hmm. a, so many on that plantar fascia that that bottom part of the foot there is full of receptors which send information up to your brain, giving you information about where you are, how you're interacting with the ground, and how you're moving. Wow. So without that, and, and by breaking that link there, um, yeah, there's a price to pay. Yep, yeah, and we just, you know, willy-nilly wear shoes from the day we're born pretty much, and, yeah. you know, if we're lucky in childhood, we might have run around bare feet a little yeah. bit, um, but most of us have got our feet in shoes all day. So, so you're saying that they're, what did you call it, the monkless? A homunculus. Homunculus. Uh, homunculus. H- homunculus. H- I have to look it up. I've never heard that one before. I do know, like, yeah, the representations. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know where I picked this up, some podcast somewhere, something. Uh, <laughs> if you have two fingers that you tape together for, say, a month, mm-hmm. yep. 
um, when you untape them, you are unable to move them separately because yep. the brain has wired them as being one unit. Mm. And another example of this is where uh, people, if, if they lose a limb, their brain still has the representation of that limb when, uh, even though the limb's gone and they feel the pain of that limb. Uh, and, yeah. and this is like the brain is like, hey, why? Where's my arm gone? Where's my leg gone, yeah. or whatever? Um, and and we're doing this to a you know much lesser degree, but when we don't let our toes and our things wiggle and wobble mm. and do do their proprioception, yep. and, and we can improve our performance. Now, as runners listening to this, let's let's talk about uh, a little bit why this is important for runners to be able to um, sense the ground and have good proprioception. So, mm. what are some of the advantages of of uh, having good uh, taking good care of our feet and maybe going bare feet a little bit? Oh, massive. Um, one of my buddies, um, you know, it's why one of the sayings he has around, around feet is, you know, he, he has a lot of uh, background in, in horse training mm-hmm. and he says, no, no foot, no horse. If you have a, if you have a horse, which damages the hoof, that, that's pretty much the end of that, that horse. Yeah. Uh, they can't do a lot. Yeah. And for you being an ultra run, Alicia, I'm sure you understand when your foot goes wrong. Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah, you are. You're in a lot of trouble. So I'm, I'm constantly dumbfounded by how little care people have take of their feet. Um, I work on my feet every day without fail. Wow. And, um, I'm certainly not an ultra runner. I'm not the same class as you guys. But um, the amount of care that I take on one of my major movement sensors, uh, you know, I know it's time well invested. So, so, okay, what are some of the things that you would do to improve your, your foot? mechanics and your proprioception and stuff. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a little bit difficult. We've got podcasts and we, we can't show you, yeah. the, you know, um, we've got some video, but so there's that saying, you know, use it or lose it. And if your foot's in a sensory deprivation chamber, you, you're going to lose it pretty quick. So I like my foot to be able to sense as much as possible. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, surprise, surprise, <laughs> no shoes. Um, yeah, I, I don't really wear shoes much. I wear cycling wow. shoes more than other shoes. Um, uh, if I'm running off road, um, I'll, I'll certainly, and, and on concrete, I'll, I'll wear some shoes and we'll kind of talk about maybe shoe design a bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, whenever I can go barefoot, I, I will. So if I can give as much information to my feet as possible, that's going to keep them uh, smart, but also it's going to keep them strong because shoes add support. That's what they are. Yeah. Uh, you not believe how much support shoes add. And you'll notice when you take them away, if you try and run barefoot, if you've been wearing thickly um, shoes with a lot of stability that's added in there. So by going barefoot a fair amount of the time, uh, you get a very strong foot uh, as well. So it doesn't come down just to running shoes. And I guess we'll talk about running shoes, um, yeah, running shoes definitely. that you wear. But, but if you're wearing running shoes all day, even when you're not running, well, you're adding support there 24-7. I understand that some people might want more support when you're running, when you've got high forces mm. going through your feet. But walking around in running shoes all day, or well, highly supportive shoes, uh, you basically, it's like walking around with crutches. Crutches, you know? yeah. And so making yourself you lazy. You're making yourself yeah. lazy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great. So, um, you know, certainly going barefoot as much as possible. Now, I do a lot of work at night too, making sure that my foot's mobile. A healthy foot is a mobile foot. Mm. So one of the things that, that I'll often say is the foot is not a hoof. Okay, <laughs> a hoof is, is rock solid and it hits the ground and off it goes. So look at what you can do with your hand. Okay, you should be able to do an awful lot with your toes as well uh, wow. and get them moving. So if you've lost the ability to do that, it really shows that you need to do some conditioning work on your feet and get them smarter and stronger. 
and if you don't, this is where some problems come up, eh? Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you if you can wiggle your toes and do all that sort of stuff, you can prevent issues. Like, mm. you know, let's look at a couple of the common running uh, problems that that people get, like um, yep. things like plantar fasciitis is a biggie, or yep. even going up the leg a little bit, like shin splints and yeah. uh, you know the problems in the calf and uh, the Achilles. Are these coming from the feet at all? Well, they're coming from running, and there's, there's there's some sort of mechanics going on there. But think of the foot. That's your first contact with the ground. Mm-hmm. If that goes wrong, everything up the chain is going to suffer there. Mm-hmm. And if we think about something like a marathon, you've got thirty to 50,000 impact on the ground. That's a lot of reps. So yeah, yeah, yeah. if something's going wrong, there's repetition over and over and over again. That's going to that's gonna end up breaking you. And we're talking about forces, which are kind of two to five times your body weight, depending wow. on how you're running. Yeah, so that's a, a hell of a lot of force, a hell of a lot of repetition. If something's not working right there, you will pay the price. And where you pay that price, uh, well, that depends. But if we look at running injuries, straight off the top, probably about 50% of those will be at the knee. Mm-hmm. So the knee is normally the one that, that pays the price. Yeah. But, um, you, know, you know, I often say this in, in my lectures, knees are dumb. Okay. So they <laughs> just kind of they do that. They kind of they straighten and they bend. They have a little bit of rotation, but you certainly don't want too much. And they have a little bit of sideways motion, but you don't want too much of that either. Or things go a little bit pear shaped. So the knees are dumb. So it's not normally the knee's fault that the knee gets get, gets some problems. It's normally the foot and ankle, or it's normally the hip. That's normally where I'll go. Mm-hmm. And if you're a runner and you're getting knee pain, I'd be looking at either the foot. Uh, the foot and ankle, or I'd be looking at the hip straight away. There's something wow. going wrong in those areas there. So about 50% of people will get um, knee pain, more common in females than males by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if we look at kind of around um, kind of Achilles as well, that's another area that tends to get a, a, a fair bit of problems as well. That's probably around um, around Sorry, 10%. Guys. That's mum, as usual, <laughs> ringing in the middle of the podcast. Morning, mum. <laughs> <laughs> so... So uh, around 10% of people get Achilles issues. That's another really common one. And that's more of a male thing. So that's the curse of the 40-plus male is is that Achilles issue. Um, But then you'll get your IT band type stuff, um, which which, uh, is probably around more like 5% of of injuries. And and also Mm -hmm. things like stress fractures, which is a little more sinister. Um, And they can be in the foot or usually the tibia as well. And that's probably around 5% too. So those are your main injury patterns you'll you'll see, uh, particularly in running. But, but knees, if I was, if I was going to um, you know, go after one injury and in, in running, uh, knees are, are normally the one that pay the price. And there's certainly uh, a big relationship between the foot and the knee, just ginormous. Right. So it's not always go, oh, mechanics of the knee is the actual problem. It's down or, or above or below. Yeah, almost generally. always. And Unless always- you've had an impact at the knee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Look, you can you can treat the knee, and I'll always look at the knee because if people come and see you for a knee injury, yeah. if you, you start, start playing, playing with their call. feet straight away, they'll go, "Well, hang on, you don't <laughs> even know guy? where the knee is." <laughs> <laughs> What's this guy on? But it does make so, sense that the kinetic yeah. chain and the linking together, um, and 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 trying to ha- find out where the original problem is coming from, not just where, because yep. you know, like Neil's always said to me, you know, like if you've got a problem with your ankle, it can affect your shoulder, and I'm like, well, how does that work? You know, absolutely, yeah. And, where it goes, uh, nobody knows. Yeah. Uh, and how so, do you trace yeah. it back? How do you um, trace that upper back problem to the, the ankle or the well, piriformis? If you, if you know what it should look like, okay, and it doesn't look like it, like it should look like. 
well, there's your start. What happens if you change and make it look more like it should? Um, how does that change things? And that's normally, the, in a nutshell, the approach that, that, that I'll take mm-hmm. um, is, is looking to, and that's where, you, I guess, you, know, you, you need to have a, a reasonable reference library. Um, I've, seen, uh, I've seen more than my first year of runners, and I'm sure yep. you have too. I mean, I bet if you saw someone running down the street now, you'd go, oh, that's not a very experienced runner, or boy, that's yeah, a good-looking yeah. runner. Yeah, and you'll yeah. know that because you've seen so many runners. Yep. So having that, uh, I guess, that experience and that, that, data, that database to, to draw from and then understanding the mechanics and building that into it, um, away you go. And I know that's what you guys do in, in your running hot um, business as well. So yep. if you well, understand bodies yeah. and you understand uh, running technique, um, yep. you, know, you can put that together and, and solve some wonderful problems. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and But it is like a bit of a counterintuitive thing, eh, to go, oh, like, my piriformis, like Neil said to me the other day when he saw me, my God, your bunion's getting really out of control. We've got to do something about that. And I'm like, oh, is it? No, no. <laughs> Sometimes you don't notice the things because you're just seeing them every yep. day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's talk about actually some specific type of things that we, we're looking at. So let's look at bunions for because mm. I mentioned that. Uh, what, do bun- what are bunions? Yep. And what effect can they have on the mechanics of your feet and end up the body? Yeah. So bunions, uh, look, the cause of bunions is, is up for debate. Um, mm. there, there is certainly a genetic component to it. Mm. So um, odds are your mum probably has bunions, yes. I guess. Yep, yep, yeah. you're right on um, the money. But, but there's, <laughs> also, the uh, <laughs> there's also a big environmental part to it as well. So bunions are when your big toe starts to go in mm-hmm. and you'll end up with uh, normally a um, – some calcification around mm-hmm. that, um, well, that first metatarsal phalangeal joint, yeah, yep. the joint of your big toe, that's probably yep. a better way of saying it, um, around there as well. What that does too is it compresses the foot. So if the big toe goes sideways compared to, it goes into the next piggy along, yep. that compresses the foot as well. Right. So we get a lot of compression in that foot. That can cause a number of problems. Um, in between those bones in your foot, you've got a lot of nerves that run through there. Uh-huh. So when that when those toes get compressed together, uh, those nerves can get very irritated, and that can become very very painful. So uh, and probably just a, as a little sideline here, if you were to pop your hands uh, just um, in front of you there, if you're driving your car listening to this, that's probably not such a good idea. <laughs> but um, try this later on. If you just put your hand down and look at look at your hand, you'll notice there's a space between your fingers there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put your foot down and have a look at your foot, you should also see space between your toes as well. Wow. That spacing is really important to allow that room for the for the foot to move, uh, to breathe, and also to to get that um, to get that space for all those structures in your foot to go. And that's with you naturally just ha- having the foot there, not not yep. trying to spread them, but just no, just yeah. just naturally you should see space between your toes. Oh wow! So if you see a nice wide foot there, I, I like I love a I love a good wide foot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So compression in those toes, and that can be a footwear choice thing too. Yep. Uh, so if you have shoes, and we talk about toe box, that's the front part of a shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we call that the toe box, this area yep. through here. Yep. So uh, just that front part of the shoe. If you have a wide toe box in a shoe design, that lets the, the foot spread out versus yeah. one that's narrower and pushes the toes together. Gosh, I know about that. Yeah, most of the, a lot of the shoes that I get from, yep. I get sponsored by some brand or whatever, and then like I couldn't wear them. Yeah. Too narrow. So especially with a, a Kiwi foot. Yeah, yeah, uh, and often Pacific foot. Islanders as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, same with me. I've got a nice wide foot. Uh, I, I will not wear shoes with a narrow toe box. No, they me they cause me nothing but problems. Yeah. So footwear choice can be one of the things that also drives uh, a bunion. Now the other part too is 
when you've got that that big toe and that big toe is moving sideways, yeah. rather than going through the foot, you'll often go inside the foot and fall into, into oh. you get more pronation than what you normally have. So we lose the arch of the foot. Because the way the foot's designed to, to move is you're designed to move through and move through the big toe. So when we talk about, um, about the cycle of walking and running, we even have a phase of that called toe off. Because yep. that's a really important part where the big toe pushes off. Yep. So if your big toe is going sideways, it's going to be where well, you can't go through the toe. You'll have to go around the toe. Wow. And that will cause a lot of wear and tear. That can, um, yeah, after a while, that will start to break that foot down. Now, that may require surgery um, unless you do some exercises. And certainly um, uh, we have some real bunion experts in, 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 in my team. Uh, some of my guys love working with bunions. And, um, <laughs> Life schooling. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can certainly bring that foot back. If you have surgery wow. to uh, repair a bunion too, if you don't do the work, well, the same thing is just going to happen again. Wow, You'll just yeah. go straight across and they'll end up having to cut your foot open, straighten that toe up. And, yep, and, straighting, yeah, and straightening, yeah. And so getting mom, a big bulge, yeah. Um, yeah, my mum had uh, has bunions. I don't have bunions. But um, my mum my has some bunions and, and I gave her an ellipsis program and I'm pretty sure that's on my, that may be on my YouTube channel. Uh, okay, sure. we, might, we might get yeah. the link off here and... Yeah, if, if not, I'll put it on there. And yep. um, yeah, she had some exercises to do from mm-hmm. for her bunions, and yeah, her bunion pain disappeared. And, and, and my mum's in her seventies, wow. so you can certainly reverse that. And her her feet are straighter. Um, I've, I've had some some people come back uh, from their podiatrist, and their podiatrist said, "What the hell have you been doing? Wow. You whatever you've been doing, keep doing it because your your toes are straightening." And your foot in better condition. So, so we can sometimes avoid surgery. Wow, oh, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Well, if you, and even if you have surgery, if you don't do the follow up, yeah. um, you're going to end up having it again. Yeah. So there's a huge amount of, of work, um, with a huge amount of things you can do um, to, to help out your bunions. Okay, that's really good because I have, you know, got a very neglected bunion. I've always like, oh, it's not causing me major troubles yet. And I'm, yeah. you know, now I'm thinking, shoot, I need to address that because yeah. it is getting, you know, like Neil noticed it last time I was with him, okay. like that's getting worse. And I'm like, oh, yeah. is it? Oh, I just thought it was the same old, same old. And he's going, no. And that, and I've got like uh, troubles with piriformis. And I'm like, ah, okay. I've been looking at the piriformis trying, and, and, and working yeah, on that. And that could be, could be, a, could be, might not be, could be uh, a knock-on effect of that. Perhaps. So I think, thinking about how that could relate, if you're, if you're, if you've got that bunion here and your foot's falling into pronation, it'll yep. take the knee with it and yep. it'll take that whole hip into, it'll rotate in. Everything will rotate mm. in there. Mm-mm, makes so sense. What, what stops that? Well, piriformis um, uh-huh. can stop that. Uh-huh. So if piriformis is having to make up for a foot function issue there, um, well, that's why it's working. If you can, if you release piriformis and get that going, well, now you've got nothing holding your foot together. So where's that going next? It'll probably go up into your lumbar spine. That's probably where it'll go next. Oh, and then it could travel yeah. somewhere else too, or it could travel to the knee. Yep. So, you know, we, you talked before about finding the source. Um, you know, certainly the foot would be uh, a really useful one. And if you're still on your feet a fair amount, which knowing you, you yep. are, yeah. Um, yeah, you certainly want that contact with the ground um, yeah, yeah, being, yeah. you know, sorted out. And, and, and just, you know, like paying attention to the little changes that are happening in your body because sometimes you think, oh, no, well, you know, it's all the same. And then you just, you don't, you don't see changes in your own body when you don't, uh, when you see yourself every day or your loved ones or, you yeah. know, sometimes you just like 
got your own little blind spots. Okay, so we'll, if we if we can dig that video out, we'll put that in the in the, in the show notes for sure. Um, sure. Let's talk about plantar fasciitis because this is a, a, a major problem. Um, yeah. You know, one of the most common running problems, and especially with people who have up the distance very quickly or yeah. um, done some things there. What is plantar fasciitis, and, and what can we do to to deal with that one? So think of that that plantar fascia is a um, a, a layer. Um, of, of what we call fascia or connective tissue that goes right along the bottom of the foot. And as I mentioned before, that has uh, a lot of receptors on it. So it's, it's very rich in receptors. So it can get extremely painful. Mm-hmm. And typically people who have uh, plantar fascia issues um, will get out of bed and they'll try to put their foot down and take a, take a walk, uh, start walking, and mm-hmm. the whole bottom of their foot will be locked up. Yeah. And it'll take a while for that to um, loosen up so they can use that foot. More often you'll get that around the, the, the front of the heel, so not at the point of the heel, but in towards the, the center of the foot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that'll run up in bands as well. Now, um, change in, in volume too quickly is, is your number one culprit, which you, you've mentioned. Yep. And that's absolutely it. But, but certainly some foot mechanics can also have an issue there as well. So the, the plantar fascia, there's, think of in your foot you've got, well, as I mentioned, you've got 50 muscles that run below that knee all could help control that foot. Your plantar fascia is there. It winds up, and particularly when you, when you bend your big toe, um, it helps wind up that plantar fascia to help make the foot rigid and make mm-hmm. it into a lever so you can push off it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the, the, you know, if you're sort of two main functions of a foot, the first one is to allow the foot to splat, is my technical term, hits the ground, <laughs> it conforms to the surface that it goes to. Uh-huh. Number one function. Second one is it becomes a rigid lever so you can repel off it. Wow. So that's pretty much what, what a foot does if you yep. kind of were to narrow it down. Break it down. So we've got an issue there with, with that timing between splatting and becoming a rigid lever, and the plantar fascia is wearing it somewhere there. Now, there's, we can look at the plantar fascia, and you can try and treat the plantar fascia, but there's a lot of layers of muscles and a lot of timing that's happened before that plantar fascia has been beaten up. Right. So there's something gone wrong with the timing of how you're going from splat to rigid lever wow. that's causing that. And particularly if you add overload into that, so if you've increased your volume too much, um, you know, that's often the, the last, well, kilometer or a thousand footsteps that broke the camel's back. Yeah, yeah. So I want to I wanna look at what's happening with the ankle and the foot, and I'm always interested in that big toe. Uh, when it comes to a plantar fascia, uh, a plantar fascia. Okay, so well. that's your big lever point, really, eh? Your big toes where you push oh, off and, and yeah, where you get that elasticity sort of yep. wound that's a, up. That's a massively important part, that big right. toe. The amount of bend you have in that big toe, and for mm-hmm. those of you with bunions or potentially injuries in that in that um, that big toe joint as well, that's well, a really important yep. one to um, you know to get looked at. That can have a massive effect on everything up the chain. Wow. Yeah. And and what can you do about you know, like, uh, are there some exercises that you recommend, like you know, your myofascial release, your ball rolling, uh, yeah. that type of thing, for the actual plantar fasciitis thing yep. itself, and the stretching and icing and all that jazz. Yep. So, so icing can be nice, and that that takes some of the the pain away because it is very painful. Yeah. Yep. Having some um, doing some having some light pressure in those areas too can help hydrate the tissues uh-huh. and get them healthier again. Because generally, if you have some sore spots in that part of fascia. Uh, often they won't have the hydration and the movement because it, it's still layers and layers of, of, of tissue. Mm-hmm. So if you can get those moving uh, better and hydrated, that will heal better. 
Uh, adding some load to it can be useful too. You just need to be careful where you are in that uh, in that injury spectrum. Mm-hmm. But it actually does require some loading because um, that the loading will help actually line up the fibers and get that strong again. But it needs to be the right type of loading, starting slowly and building up. Yeah, but still, got to sort out the mechanics. Again, big toe, you'd be wanting to have a look at, and also what's happening at the ankle. Check that you've got enough um, dorsiflexion to check in general. How much can yep. you bend your ankle? Yeah. If you've got a restriction in an ankle and a restricted big toe, uh, your plantar fascia, well, everything in the foot, but the plantar fascia may, um, may end up wearing that one. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of tricks to do with the dorsiflexion. Um, uh, that I can link to another uh, video there that Neil's done, um, where you can you know, push the. Oh, I've forgotten. It's a talus, talus bone. Uh, uh, yep. Talus bone. Yeah. Um, where you're pushing it back into because sometimes it slips out of a line. Yeah. Yep. Doing a Taylor glide. That's yeah. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Good. That's the one. Yep. I was trying to trying to find the words. Right. Yeah, yeah, so restoring that ankle dorsiflexion will, will be critical. Yeah. Um, I think that the foot and ankle. Uh, you know, I look at three main zones in the body uh, in terms of my model for looking at movement. If you get the torso moving really well, mm-hmm. that's really important for rotation, particularly mm-hmm. if you're, you're running. If you get the, the pelvis and hips moving really well, that would be my second zone. And my third zone would be the foot and ankle. Mm-hmm. So if you can get those three zones working well, you know, normally I say kind of 80 to 85% of, of movement issues will just disappear. Wow. And uh, so the, the foot and, and ankle are a huge player in, in, in my model and certainly uh, one that I see having a, a very big uh, input on how people move well or don't move well. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. So the torso, the, the, the pelvis and the feet. So working on those areas and yep. trying to trying to get things balanced. Yeah, um, if I was investing time, that, that's where I invest them in. Those are the three areas, that, the yep. key areas, and obviously it's the, it's quite a lot of work there. But um, yeah, yeah and, that's, and that's everything from drills and exercises, and you know that's what mm. uh, we do, what you do. Um, let's look at now uh, for runners. Uh, talking about running shoes and buying mm. running shoes and picking a, a shoe that's good for you for you and, and what you're doing. Um, you were showing me some uh, running shoes before and for people on the podcast you can't see, but yeah. um, show us those Kipchoge ones. Uh, what do you call them? Are they yep. Kipchoge shoes? So these are the, uh, the Nike Zoom Flies. Uh, that's the Zoom the Flies. The yeah. shoe. So yep. um, yeah, for those of you who um, well, are listening to this rather than watching it, so um, this is the shoe that Kipchoge wore to um, to get his sub two-hour marathon. Mm-hmm. And these have carbon plates in them, uh, which have an awful lot of recoil. And mm-hmm. also there's a, over four centimetres of, of foam here, but the foam has an incredible amount of, of recoil. Wow. So um, the, the theory is these, these will take 4% off your running time. 4%. Right. Wow, yeah. that's massive. Now, there's actually a, a spreadsheet which, um, uh, which which I got hold of too, where you can actually look at your running times and calculate how much of a difference it would make to your um, to, to your, your running time performance. Or something. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, who wouldn't pay for four uh, <laughs> percent? Yeah, so pretty much most yeah. of the runners, my straight line runners, will compete in these. Wow. And you'd be a mug not to if you want to run fast on on in straight lines. These are extremely high and extremely unstable. You, you wouldn't run trail on these, no, no way. Yeah. But, um, you're not Are they a bit like the Hoka ones, you know, like really deep into the thing, but a big sole, very protective. Oh, no, they, they, these are high. These are high, high, and they are incredible amount of recoil. Wow. They do push you very much to a four-foot style. Uh-huh. So what I've noticed with these, and um, 
I so didn't want to like beef. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you wanted people to go more beer feet. <laughs> I thought about trying to. I ran them, and I went, "This is ridiculous." Ridiculously um, good. <laughs> oh, the, the speed in these is is something else. And certainly, you know, most of my runners who run straight line are uh, competing in these. And certainly, in the events I'm at now, unless runners, unless athletes are sponsored, uh, those are the shoes they're picking up. And why wouldn't you, if you can? I mean, getting four percent improvement of performance is is something else, mm-hmm. even with training. Yeah. So if you can get that by paying for it. Um, why wouldn't you? They so basically, it's elasticity that they're using. It's the yeah. spring. It's the coil. It's the, yeah. the ability to bounce you off the ground. It's like being on a trampoline sort of oh, thing. You're going to get more force. Right. Taking you forward. So, well, yeah, the, the energy, um, yeah, the energy is returned uh, a lot more efficiently. So you'll notice that there's a, a whole host of track records being broken lately, and, and that includes that. the marathon. And wow. um, yeah, the technology's had a big part to play in it. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you know, I expect that the, the next Olympics, um, these shoes will feature extremely heavily. And, and a lot of uh, a lot of other manufacturers are using this technology now, and they yeah, have yeah. been a lot stricter with the technology they can use um, in those events now. So there's everyone's uh, the level playing yeah, field. You want now. a level playing field. That's the thing. If we start having, a, you know, un, unlevel playing fields, yeah. and that's where it becomes a bit problematic and stuff. But, and so hopefully, but, you know, their record's been broken up. now, and there'll be yeah. more bro- broken with with this sort of new technology coming through. And, and from a from a you know foot health perspective, are they okay in that respect? Or you, this is where you didn't like, you know, like it, you didn't want to like them. <laughs> no, it, it's not about um, it's sport. Sport's not about health. No, um, performance is not about health. No, okay. it's underpinned. It should be underpinned, yeah. but it's not, yeah. not always so, the case. Well, that, that's, that's the point, though. I mean, if you wore these around all throughout the day, why would you do that? Having four centimetres of foam between you and the ground, um, sending your foot to sleep. So, look, I, I would if I'm wanting to do a fast run, and I don't really do much of that anymore, but if I was doing, if I was doing a training run with, um, with a buddy of mine who, who runs pretty quick, I would definitely wear these. You'd be getting those, huh? Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm walking all day barefoot. And I'm doing foot exercises throughout my day. I'm waking up my feet all the time to look after my feet in between. Yeah. So you and know, look, foot 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 choice or shoe shoe choice doesn't doesn't start and finish when you're running. It's throughout the day, and that's where you know you'll choose a different type of shoe. My my if I was wearing a shoe during the day, my normal shoe would be something that's very minimal. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which. Wow. Um, which which allows my foot to feel the ground and do things if I need to wear footwear. Yeah, and sometimes you do, you know. You, you yeah, and I think that's really. an important thing too. Is we, we've almost there's always extremes. Yeah. So you know, I'll see the odd person who's taken us to the extreme, and they'll go barefoot all the time. And I think you need to be careful of that too. So uh, from a health point of view. Yeah. So where I live, um, you wouldn't run. Uh, I have run some trails barefoot, but. Uh, there's a there's sharp rocks around there, but yeah. also we have snakes and we were yeah, own too, yeah, yeah. which is which is a bit of a problem. So um, I've done the odd barefoot run, but it, it you know it makes you pretty nervous. The other yeah. part too is what goes on your skin goes in you. Yes, we talked about that on uh, what was it? oh something we were talking about the other day, and you were talking the skin in your feet oh, yes. picks up. Uh, oh, one of your lectures that I was learning from you oh, from, and you were t- saying, oh, your daughter was barefoot, which was great, but you went to get some petrol with the car yeah, and she wanted to run across the, the forecourt and bare yeah. feet and you said, no, put your shoes on. Yep, got to have shoes. I mean, yeah, if you're going to public toilets or you're going into uh, on, onto a, a forecourt of a petrol station, 
if you're walking barefoot on those, those chemicals are, uh, are getting into your feet. Yeah. So also, if you're walking barefoot too, and, and certainly in Asia, and I have a, an, Asian, an Asian background, is you're bringing that into your house when you go in there too. So mm. be careful where you expose your feet to because it will go in you and then you'll take it into your house. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah there's time and a place for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's so true. And this is, this is where some of the minimalist shoes come in. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, like, you know, social etiquette and stuff, you, you don't, you can't go to the gym without some sort of footwear on most places. Or well, it depends you who you well, are. Well, your so gym, maybe. <laughs> my, my gym, we actually have a gym, a, a shoes off policy rather wow. than a shoes on policy. Yeah, yeah. So, if, you know, if, again, if we want people to move well, we need all their, their senses working well. Yeah. So, we want as much information from those shoes, from those feet as possible. Uh, so people understand where they are on the on the ground. So we have cupboards where people put their shoes in. Now, not everyone trains barefoot, um, and we have some people who have some structural foot issues who do require some footwear mm-hmm. uh, as well to to move well. Uh, so, uh, but you know, if, if you drop a it's dumbbell on your foot, yeah, you know, right. having a having a shoe isn't really going to help you. But it, as one of my mates said, he said it contains the mess. Which is handy. <laughs> and most gyms prescribe that you have to have shoes on yep, when you sure. go into them. They do. Um, and, you know, in these social situations, you can't go to the opera in bare feet. It's not, it's not cool. <laughs> oh, you uh, can't? <laughs> <laughs> now, that brings me to, uh, you know, ladies in high heels. What are we doing mm. to our bodies when we're oh, boy. lovely, elegant? We look very elegant yeah. in our high heels, but what the hell are we doing to ourselves? Okay. So, um, yeah, you mentioned that word kinetic chain before. And the idea there is when you change one part, it will change something elsewhere. Mm. That's what a kinetic chain does, a, a, a closed kinetic chain. So when you add a, an incline to your heel and lift yourself up there, that pitches you forward. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a stiletto on or something very high, um, yeah, you'd fall on your face unless you adjusted. So where will you adjust? You'll normally do that by pushing your pelvis forward, mm-hmm. by arching your lower back more. Uh, so... Often the problems that you'll see with high heels will be stunted up the chain. Yep. Now, as well as that, when you're in high heels, you're effectively pointing your toes. So if you're in a flat shoe, you'd have a bend in your ankles. Mm-hmm. In a high heel, your toes are pointed more. Mm-hmm. So what that Drop. does is that will shorten the calf muscles. And that's why, you know, if you look at a yep. woman in, in high heels, she has more definition of calves because those calf muscles are shortened up. Yeah. But if you're wearing high heels an awful lot there, what that will do is it'll sharp, shorten up that calf. It may make it harder for you to bend that ankle again, which will cause you some different issues. Oh, yeah. And, and certainly for those of you who are a bit more technical-minded too, uh, perineus longus okay, will be one of the muscles, which is a plantar flexion, which will be shortened. So perineus longus comes around, it wraps underneath the foot, and it wraps into the base of that big toe. Mm-hmm. So it pulls you down into pronation, so it collapses the arch. So if you've been wearing high heels an awful lot, that perineus longus can shorten, which can end up reducing your, the amount of bend in your ankle and also will pull you into more pronation. Wow. So pronation is a good thing. That allows you to splat. But yep. remember, we also want to make the foot rigid after that so it can propel off it. Yep. But if you end up mucking around with muscles and changing the way they work, and certainly by placing a high heel on, you're certainly going to do that. Yep. Um, that will do that. And it will change the way that perineus longus works and all those other muscles. Uh, which will change that timing, that intricate timing that we need to have in the foot. Wow. And so, so ladies, um, you know, 
keep your high heels for special occasions and not everyday yeah. use if you can. And I mean, I uh, working with with mum and and she was in the bed for a long time, bedridden, mm. um, drop foot. You know, same yep. thing basically, but just on a horizontal because she couldn't stand, so she mm. couldn't get that uh, dorsiflexion happening. And then yep. uh, I was not aware of it at the time that it, that this was a problem when it was happening, and mm. I caught it quite late. And then we had to have her in a in a boot to try and straighten that out. And now she's yep. got a rigid ankle, pretty much like she's got no dorsiflexion, therefore she can't roll over the front of her foot and yep. push off nicely. So her whole gait is more flat-footed. And yep. uh, you know, so it's it, it, you know these things knock on very quickly, mm-hmm. um, and and it happens quite quickly that you you start to get drop foot. Mm. Even um, if you think about it, like if I, you know, wake up in the morning and that first time and the foot hits the floor, and you've got like a you know that oh yeah stiff stiff in the calf muscles, feeling stiff, yep. stiff in the Achilles, and this is a um, you know getting onto the Achilles too. Uh, if you're getting that initial stiffness when you get up in the morning there's something brewing and yes. maybe start to look at it Achilles is a good that's a good uh, uh, indicator that first step in the morning how are you feeling and mm. if you're if you're bouncing out of bed and you can get out of bed and run down the hallway and you're fine and you've got nothing then you're probably you know not too bad yep. and I think that, that's a, a great point yeah it's just you know you, you should wake up feeling reasonably good I mean, it's not a margarine commercial. You shouldn't jump out of bed and, hey, hello, world. But I remember, I remember, well, that's probably the only thing you'd be happy about if you're eating that stuff. Yeah, but, margarine, um, plastic. <laughs> but a uh, whole other conversation. Yeah. I, I had a professional athlete who I, I was working with and um, we were talking one morning and we're, well, I was actually helping just designing, starting up designing where we we're going to go with him. And he said, oh, yeah. So, you know, and I said, oh, how are things going? He said, oh, you know, normal story, I get out of bed and, I kind of, I can't stand up, and then I go to the shower, and I have to stretch in the shower. About forty minutes later, I'm ready to move. And he goes, "But that's normal, right?" <laughs> and I'm going, "No, no, that's not normal. Your body normal is not being in pain and and struggling to move. That's not normal." Oh, but it's age, Dave. That's the next thing <laughs> oh, they'll tell you. Oh, that's it? just just normal <laughs> aging. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I always think too. You know. You got a let's say you've got a, a, a sorry for those of you who uh, in different, different hemispheres, but a classic car in the southern hemisphere was a, a Ford Cortina. Uh, imagine you've got a, a 1980 Ford Cortina, and you're <laughs> in your garage, and it's chrome, it's beautiful, and you've looked after it wonderfully. That car drives fantastically, and you're around town, and you think this is the best car ever. Okay, <laughs> but if you take a 1980 Ford Cortina and you don't maintain it and you just drive it hard, it's you know you won't have it here today. Okay, so if you've got a classic car, okay, it can run really well, but you need to put some extra care and maintenance into it. Absolutely, good okay? analogy. That's, that's all it is. Um, so you know, but you can have a young, you can have a, a, a new sports car. You can trash it. It's probably going to be a, a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah, so the 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 older you are, the more care you need to take of your classic car. We fit into the classic category now. Just another another spin on that too. You know, age is, is one thing, but. You know, I kind of look at these young athletes and I think, you know, you reckon you can keep up with me? You haven't got yeah. the experience I've got. So, <laughs> um, play that card. It's not It's not just physical. There's a yeah. lot more that goes on to it. And oh, particularly, you look at the ultra world. Oh, and, yeah. uh, um, you know, the, the, certainly the, the more 
the more of a mental game uh, that's required, the the better it suits your experience. Yeah, in woman too, like you know, it's, oh, totally. it's not it's not about speed and power. After after a hundred k's, it sort of starts to come down to other sure things. And yeah, therefore yeah. you yeah. So it, yeah, it is, and, and it's an attitude for life too. Like yeah, uh, yeah. There's a number of rounds on the clock, but um, it's it's keeping it's keeping everything as best as you can in optimal performance and stopping things before they fall down the, the cliff, you know, and being yep. in that preventative space. And that's what we're both all about. And that's what, yeah, taking good care of your, of your joints and your, your, your muscles and your hydration and all of those mm. aspects, your exercises is really, really key. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit now um, uh, around, is there, you know, what are you? What's your take? I'd like to hear just on general for joints and, and cartilage and stuff. Things like uh, sulfur, MSM, uh, chondroitin, so, uh, you know, glucosamine, that sort of supplementation for cartilage and joints. Do you know anything about that? It's, and if it's, it's not, if it's a good I wouldn't really not? call it one of my key areas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, su- uh, supplements are a strange one. Um, and certainly my, my take on that's really changed over the last few years. And mm-hmm. um, now if, you, if you think you can get everything out of your diet, even if you're eating organic, um, you probably can't. It's no, just, it's I don't the bottom line. It's, so, yeah. so certainly some supplementation is useful. Mm. Um, I'm very big on getting an evidence base on that, though. So there's, there's this push where, you know, we've, we've almost said our science is, is lying now. We need, to, we need to be able to do our supplementation and choose what you want to choose but what i found now is basically you become a victim to marketing now yeah so so there's a there's a fine line between the two so i tend to read up on what i think is useful and what's not and i use that on an individual basis but i i like to cover the basics first and and often think that we're sitting there chasing things like curcumin and yeah not that i have a problem with curcumin by the way Um, it does have some Issues, yeah, yeah, or, or some other some other supplements here when you're not even looking after the basics. So do the big rocks first. Yeah, uh, um, I'm big on those pretty, you know, those A B C D. Yeah, uh, you know, selenium, zinc, magnesium type base. You know, not sexy, but very essential oh, for all the enzymatic right. functions and yeah. So and you know, a, a decent multivitamin is, is probably yeah. a bloody good place to start. Yep. And then you can start fine-tuning from there. Sure, I take a few other things uh, as well. I, I do, um, I'm a big fan of a, a decent probiotic and varying those probiotics around. I think that's really important. And I use that as a food source and as a supplement. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll play around yeah. with that. I, I do yeah. like my fish oils. I think there's a, a, yeah, a, fish there is a, a, there is a part to play in those. Good and ones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good um, ones. So wild, wild, wild small fish. Um, yep. is, is the way you want to go and just watch out for the processing on those as well. They can get pretty very, angry. very important to get the right fish oils. You get rancid fish oils and you'll be doing the opposite to what yep. you need. So you do need to check the company out, especially. And, and, and on that conversation, I know we're getting a bit off topic, but probiotics, I, I, um, you know, I've done quite a lot of study around the probiotics mm. and the, some of the problems of probiotics and histamines and, and yeah. um, yeah. causing uh, inflammation and allergic reactions. Have you found, yeah. you know, anyone in particular that you'd say, yeah, that one's been really good for a lot of people, um, has got a, got a good clinical base to it? Yeah, look, there's a, there's a few brands that, that, um, that I tend to like. Um, yeah, uh, there's, 
throwing you in the deep end here with our new prep on that question, but yeah, I was no, just interested for myself because I'm looking yeah, into the whole probiotic. Yeah, Sintol is a brand I quite like. Sintol, um, okay. S-Y-N-T-O-L, is a brand that I've used for probably the last decade. Um, that's a, <clears throat> an industrial strength uh, one, which, which works really well. Oh, okay. Uh, um, also, uh, BioCult is another one, which I think is a pretty a decent one. Mm. And the reason I like those ones, they don't need refrigeration. Yep. Um, and um, the um, Sintol is more of a spore one, so it carries okay. through the gut a bit better as well. Yeah, because um, it's got to get through the digestive, yeah. uh, the, the stomach acid yep. to actually yeah. get into the lower. And I know like the science in this area is still very much an evolving space. Mm. And yep. a lot of this, <clears throat> you know, like – I have had um, a couple of clients, you know, been on probiotics that you get out of, off the shelf at yeah. the local uh, supermarket type thing and they ended up with, you yeah. know, histamine reactions and, and, and yeah. things like that because they do have uh, often – so if, you, if you're sensitive to histamines yeah. and you might want to, you know, check it out a little bit more and just dip your toe in the water and, and find yeah. out. So it's a little bit – Hard to know because I think the the jury's still out in some regards, but I think the the spore based ones. Yeah, there seems, seems to be a bit in that. Yeah, uh, I, I do like my fermented foods. They won't suit everyone, no, um, for sure. They don't yeah. uh, they? They suit me really well. So yep. I make my own kimchi. I make my kombucha. Uh, I make my own sauerkraut. I do some water kefir as well. Um, I often use uh, little bits of fermented foods uh, as mm. well to help my um, my gut work. And, and every culture. Uh, yep. And every everywhere in the world has some form of fermented food, and we we realise this as a uh, I guess as um, as developing uh, communities that we we need to look after our gut health. And we, and we didn't have refrigeration was probably the other thing as well. Yeah, it was the other thing. Where, yeah. um then those are, are very health giving, um, and they yeah. still exist in most cultures today. And, and it's certainly something that I'd recommend if it suits you um, to work into your diet. Yeah, and that and this is where, like I know with um, you know working with PH360 in the epigenetics program that we do, that there are certain biotypes, and uh, I'm one of them that can has to watch the amount of fermented foods and okay. mm. uh, yeah, because it can again cause histamine problems and, and yep. uh, inflammation in the body. So that is a bit of a bit more a personal genetic yeah. um, thing too, as, uh, as it, rather than across the board. But to be, to be fair, I think that's everything needs to be personalized nowadays. Yeah. And we've, yep. we've got a lot, well, I wouldn't say we've got it all sus, but there is a lot of science around what type of thing for what person and which genes, you know, for which foods. And, um, and I don't think it's by any means perfect yet, the science mm. behind it, but we can get a bit of an idea on, on some of these things. So just because it's healthy for Dave doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be healthy for Lisa, you know, so yep. um, a little bit of uh, experiment. And, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a big experimenter. I, I was just showing one of my, my athletes into my um, mm. pantry and it looks more like a chemist uh, as in, well, <laughs> supplement shop rather than yeah. a bloody, um, and I don't take all the things all the time, but I'm always experimenting on my own body and trying to optimize and to see what, what sort of things are having which effect and then trying to, you know, uh, take note of that and keep, keep track of it and trying to work out a little bit hard when you keep chucking in a hundred variations at things. It's yeah. not exactly a clinical study where you do one variation, but um, N equals one though. N equals one. N equals one. I love that. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. And keeping testing. Um, but back to the whole foot uh, scenario. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we, we were talking that. I mean, you and I could end up in bloody all sorts of uh, uh, areas. What's your take on orthotics? I wanted to ask that. Uh, you know, again, jury's out of okay. my mind on orthotics, and I'm not sure. Yep. What is we all take? That's a real polarizing one. And yes. um, I'm probably going to make myself unpopular with some people here, but yeah. um, here's my take on it. Your take. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a fence sitter. If you have a foot that hasn't got a structural issue or a neurological deficit, you can work without orthotics. Okay. So orthotics add support mm-hmm. and they will normally block motion. Mm. Okay. That's what they're pretty much designed to do. Mm. So normally when they prescribe orthotics, they'll look at, okay, there's too much motion there. We'll block that motion so that the foot can do its thing. If you block motion somewhere though, the, what we know is that motion will be taken up somewhere else. And in that closed chain, where that motion goes will often have problems. Mm. So let's have a look. If you've got a, um, if you've got a, a foot that doesn't dorsiflex well, so does the ankle doesn't bend well, okay, what will often happen is the only way you can bend that ankle now is to roll inside or, or to overpronate. Yep. And that's the only way you can get over that foot. Rather than go through the foot, you'll go around the foot. Wow, yep. So um, what may happen is... Uh, uh, if you have an orthotic to stop that pronation, okay, what's happened now is, okay, now you can't pronate the foot, you can't work at the ankle, what's going to go next? You may end up taking that up in the knee. Wow. So now you'll end up with a, a knee issue. When you may have come in with a foot issue, you may go, end up with a knee issue. Mm-hmm. Or it may end up going into the hip or the lumbar spine or as far up as into the neck mm-hmm. uh, would be a common thing or even to the head. Um, I've seen some people who've had a, a foot issue and they get headaches. Um, when they start hitting the pavement because it goes right through the chain and that's, it ends wow. up jarring them up the top. So, um, so when you add a foot orthotic in, if you've got a painful foot, it can be very useful temporarily to change uh, what's going on mm-hmm. uh, or a structural or neurological deficit. But otherwise, um, yeah. Try think other of, things think first. Of a, think of a crutch. Okay, if I break my leg, I'll, I'll, I'll want to brace around my, my knee. Let's say I've smashed my knee in smithereens. I want a, a, a brace around my knee and I want to wear crutches to start with. You go, oh boy, that feels so good having that extra support in there. Mm. Okay, while that, and I've restricted that range around my knee because it's too painful to move. But 10 years later, I wouldn't want to be still be wearing that same brace on yeah. my knee and walking around yeah. with a crutch. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to go in there each year and get that, that brace changed a little bit and re-altered. Um, so... I look at some of the orthotics that come into me and I look at that foot and I look at the orthotic and I go, I have no idea. And I I kind of, foot mechanics is tricky stuff, but I've put a fair bit of work into it. Mm. I kind of understand how feet generally work, I think. And I look at that orthotic and I look at that person and I think, I can't see what that is relating to at all. I don't know what you're seeing as a, um, what that person is. But but, um, that's not what I see. Mm. Mm. And there's a few things around um, some of the theory of, of orthotics, which are a little bit tricky around um, foot mechanics change when you have your foot on the ground versus when you waggle your foot in the air. Of course. A lot of the, a lot of the, the mechanics that are put into orthotics aren't done in a closed chain. Wow. Uh, which changes the whole way the foot works. So mm-hmm. um, there, there's some stuff there. Um, I've, had, uh, I've had piles of orthotics um, thrown away over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had orthotics come into me and I, I go, what? And I'll test them and I'll test people with them without them and they'll go better without them. 
I have some people that do need them though because they have some neurological issues or they have structural foot issues yeah. where if that foot's been broken beyond repair, yeah. where it does need some help. Right. And making good orthotics, um, particularly you know, for those of you who maybe uh, have a diabetic foot or have, have had some issues around there, um, you know, some of the orthotics I've seen that have come and have been works of art and amazing. Right. So there are some there are some good. people that do yeah. some amazing work in orthotics, and that's probably my 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 outtake on this one. Yeah. So finding someone who's very good at that and yeah. can look after a foot in trouble is is a is a real skill. It is, uh, and it's a particular. I've got a friend, Lisa Whiteman, who owns um, a, a chain of podiatry clinics right throughout New Zealand, and their stuff is next level. Like the science yeah. and the technology that they have in order to get the right things for that. Yeah. So if you're, you know, uh, um, thinking of doing it, make sure you go to somebody who yeah. really knows their stuff yeah. and not um, just, you know, uh, you know, any sort of orthotic and test it and try it and see whether mm. you're getting something further up the train. Yes, fix that and, you know, question whether you need it long term. I've never had any benefit out of an orthotic. Um, and, and, you know, I've only got, again, one anecdotal me. But mm. when, it, you know, like dealing with um, someone like my mum with a neurological uh, uh, problem and mm. uh, limited dorsiflexion, I am considering, you know, as the next opportunity I, I get to take her down to Wellington to go and see my friend and go into her clinic and get her assessed. Mm. Um, that that might be, for example, a, um, a situation where something like that could be called for because she's lost that motion in the ankle. So we haven't yeah. got it to work with. Um, so, so we do have problems from the bottom up. So, you know, the, the foot can cause the problem going up, but also we can have problems going down too. Yeah. Yeah, so, in case, you know, yeah. life, life exists below the knee. So, yeah. you know, certainly um, it, it's always useful to, to look at a foot. But I don't forget those other areas as well because you can have a lot of problems that are caused from up the chain that go down as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Life, that, that's where I get a little bit concerned sometimes where people um, look at just the foot by itself. It's reductionist, um, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's like yeah, and, and and I mean yeah, we could have a conversation around reductionist sort of thinking in medicine and in every every mm. area really um, is looking at single and that's sort useful, of puzzle. But we've got to put it back through. You've yeah, got to put it through the chain. Yeah. I love that attitude because yeah. yeah, like you know, like you've taught me the cell blueprint recently. You know, and that is a reductionist model. It's bringing things mm. down onto the cellular mm. level and seeing what is the cell doing, and then mm. what is the the, the tissue doing, yep. and the organ doing, and the system doing. But we are going back up through the system and Absolutely. looking at it from another perspective. Mm. And when you just look at a piece of the puzzle and go, right, I got it sus because your ankle, when I wiggle it like this, isn't doing it, therefore you have this problem, um, that's a reductionist view yeah. on it. And, uh, it. and this is why the holistic, like you, the holistic movement coach and we're yeah. the holistic run training system because mm. it is about being that holistic and looking at things outside of your core focus you know, like when a runner comes and they want to do an ultra marathon, we're going to be looking at their health. Absolutely. In general, mm. we're going to be looking at their mindset. We're going to be looking at their nutrition, not just if they're running the right amount of kilometers a week. It's far yeah. more complicated than that. Absolutely. And, I mean, yeah. yeah. And that holistic mm. look at things is really a, you want to be working with coaches and doctors and uh, health professionals that are taking a, a holistic and where possible a personalized approach to what you're doing and this takes time and this takes more money and this takes more uh you know um more education 
and and a and a and a broader knowledge on a lot of subjects. So you're not going to find these on every street corner, but I think that approach is just a much better way to look at things in general you know and that's why like you might be the holistic movement coach but you're an absolute expert in, in so many areas now it's just insane the level of knowledge that you have and and we're trying to and I'm trying to emulate that in different other areas um because and you can't be across every damn thing in the whole world you know like I had a, a lady yesterday that I was working with and uh, some of the testing that was coming out of America on um, mycotoxins and, you know, all of that. I haven't even looked at that part of the science. Mm. It's something that I want to do, but it's just like, well, that's, you know, off in the distant future because there's so many other pieces of the puzzle and you can't be across every damn thing. Mm. But if you're trying to be as holistic as possible and being then able to refer out to people who, and you don't know what to do in that in that sort of case, but having that broader view, you know, yeah, generalist view on top of the specialization is a, yeah. is a, is a good combi. Yeah. Dave, we've bloody rabbited on again for ages. I think we've, we've, we've covered off. So um, pretty much, Oh, I did want to ask you about reflexology. What's your take on reflexology oh, yeah. before we wrap up? Uh, I, I love, yeah. I love getting it. I love doing yes. it. Um, so yeah, the, the idea with reflexology is that, and uh, there's, there's lots of different types of reflexology. We often associate reflexology with the feet. But um, the French often use the ear as a reflexology ear and, and hands. Often, the idea is that your body is represented in, in, uh, in smaller areas of your body. So you can access, so for instance, the kidneys or the small intestine through the feet is, is the theory there. Wow. And um, yeah, certainly there's, um, yeah, I've had some really good results on myself from reflexology. And I remember my first experience with reflexology was um, I used to be a competitive kayaker at another lifetime. Um, and um, my regular massage therapist was away. And I had this, um, this thoracic issue. I, I had a, a, a thoracic that wasn't, wasn't going well. And um, I had a bit of back pain with it. And um, so she put me onto another massage therapist. And I walked in there and this massage therapist, the first thing she said was, we need to start by cleansing your aura. And I went, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> And I'm probably a bit more forgiving of that now than I yeah. was back then. But I thought, yeah. oh, this, oh no, I've just walked into a, into a history. <laughs> and um, so she starts cleansing my aura. And I'm thinking, well, this is this is this is an hour I'm not going to enjoy. Then she starts playing with my feet, and she hits a spot in my feet. And I just about jumped through the through the roof. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was sore at all. And she said, oh, you've done something to your upper back. And I went, yeah. I'm <laughs> working on seeing my foot, and it. Actually worked on it. It got less and less uh, painful. Wow. So I remember standing up, going, "That is the best my back has ever felt." Wow. So um, certainly it worked Don't well. Don't judge. <laughs> yeah. Well, be open. Yes. And um, you know, certainly I learned a fair bit of reflexology about that. After mm. that, I was quite impressed by the experience. Mm. And I've had some clients who um, really enjoyed it. Were accessing some parts which were, I guess, a little too intense to get into straight away. Yep. Um, I've had some really good uh, results with sinus type stuff. Um, the sinus mm. points are, are right around the, the, the points of your toes here. Oh. And, um, that can work really well to help clear sinuses. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm very that, interested in that. That's cool. Yeah, that one, that one worked quite nicely for me anyway. But uh, I do think there's something in it. And, um, yeah, it's uh, lovely to get. It's very relaxing because yeah, looking yep. after your feet is good for your whole body. Yep. And it's all connected. So um, There's certainly. lots we can learn from different um you know, traditions and different uh, like Ayurvedic and traditional Chinese, and yeah. there's you know there's pieces of the puzzle. Uh, and and the and the cool thing now is that the Western science is catching up with a lot of the other 
sort of stuff and, and bringing it yeah. and giving it a scientific uh, reasoning behind it, <laughs> which is cool. So maybe one thing I could leave folks with is thinking about, you know, how to, how to select a shoe. And um, that's often one of the questions that I'm asked, well, how should I pick a shoe then? First thing I'd say is be, be, be careful of the marketing. Yes. So I talk about shoe science. And uh, I'd put big brackets around that one. Now, I was doing ear brackets there for those of you in radio land. <laughs> um, yeah, so when you get a shoe that's neutral, as, as often, you, you get shoes that are minimalist, which means they have very little space between you and the ground. There's a new category called maximalist, which has yes. massive amounts between you and the ground. But you also have ones that are stability shoes, which have a bit more supporting your ass. And you have ones called motion control as well, which control try and control the foot, particularly if you are an overpronator, which yes. means you can't control, you tend to roll in a fair bit more than normal. There's been a few good studies showing that really it isn't the shoe that makes the difference. There's a good study done in 2010 where they, um, they basically matched the foot to the shoe. So people who are overpronators were given motion control shoes, people with neutral feet were given neutral shoes, and people who were in between were given a stability shoe. What they found out is the neutral people did the worst in neutral shoes. Oh, wow. And the people with motion control shoes did the worst in motion control shoes. Wow. So, in other words, it's not the shoe. (laughs) The shoe doesn't run by itself. You don't give someone a pair of golf clubs or a set of golf clubs and say, hey, here's the best golf club. You're going to be an awesome golfer now. You're going to be Tiger Woods next week. Yeah. It's not the shoe that does the running, it's the person that does the running. Here's where technique and conditioning and looking after yourself and your health uh, has much more effect than a shoe ever will. Yep. Yeah. So normally what I would say is I would generally say pick a neutral shoe would be my first piece of advice for most people. Uh, uh, get one that's comfortable. So there's a lot of research showing that the more comfortable your shoe is, the more efficient you are. So make sure it feels good. Um, so I go shoe shopping with my wife. And I look at the shoes. I would never wear the shoes she wears, but she, she has a different comfort requirement. She needs four foot conditioning, for, uh, four foot cushioning for her to feel comfortable. So she tends to wear shoes that are a lot more built up than, than mine. Mm-hmm. Also, get shoes that are light. For every 100 grams that you add on a shoe, that's an extra 1% of your VO2 max that you need to, to use there. Wow. In other words, it's a big energy cost to having to heavy have shoes. Weights on your feet. Oh, absolutely. Wow. So, so get the lightest. And I'd say also get the most minimalist that you are happy with. Yeah. Okay. And, and be careful with your trail running and things that you'd need. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So so make sure you're, you're comfortable in it so it's not hurting your feet and you're, you're not yeah. ending up with bruised feet every time you go running or sore feet. So, so yeah, that, that would be my general um, – uh, make sure the color, the color combos are good too. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, you know, really some, some good advice and um, – you know, and the other thing I, I did want to touch on is don't go all suddenly barefoot on us now. Like just because oh. you do this episode and go suddenly, well, I'm going to go 100% yeah. barefoot or minimalist shoes because mm. the transitioning is really, really important and building up the strength in the feet before yes. you go and start running 100k a week and barefoot. You're going to be in trouble real fast if yep. you do that. So make sure you build up over time and transition. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the other studies that, that was a really interesting one, the, the idea, the theory is, is when you go barefoot, it's supposed to push you more midfoot or forefoot. Mm-hmm. That, that's generally the, the whole idea of, of going, that's one of the theories of going barefoot running, how that helps. But mm. there was a cool study done in 2014, um, which, which I 
which I recall, they, they looked at, at runners and they trained them using uh, Vivo Barefoot, the toe shoes. Yeah, yep. And what they found was that, that half of those runners, or over half of those runners, or just about half of those runners, didn't change from a rear foot strike. So wow. it's not the shoe that runs again. Now, you generally will tend to be pushed more forefoot in, in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a minimal shoe. I'd say that's generally true, but it's not be all in the indoor. So half of those runners did not become more forefoot. Five of them changed just like that. Uh, of the 20, so a quarter of them changed just like that. They went yep. more forefoot, but half of them didn't matter what mm. they did, they still heel strike. So yeah, in that case, worse. you've got no cushioning. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it won't. So again, you need to learn how to forefoot run. Yes. It's a skill. Running's a skill. Who would have yep. thought? Yeah. yeah. It is so, like ballet. Oh, absolutely. You know, you need to, to, oh. to drills and skills. And, and when we say running right. forefoot, make sure that like your, 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 your heel does kiss the ground. You don't want to be mm. just bouncing up and down on you like you see some um, – yeah. Especially girls running like just uh, with, without their heel touching the ground at all, like uh, mm. running like a ballerina, and it's like whoa, whoa, whoa! That, that, that's, yeah, that, that's going to cause you a whole different a whole host of, of problems. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, certainly there's some. Yeah, there's there's yeah. Go slow, but also know that you know there's a skill component to it as well. Mm. So if you are wanting to go more forefoot, um, yeah, get some get some running coaching, get some expertise and some technical help to help you get there. If that's somewhere you really want to go, yeah, drills and skills. We do that oh. video analysis and all that sort of stuff, and we can help uh, tailor the right drills and skills for you there. Dave, you've been amazing again as usual. Um, I'm hoping to have you on a few more times this <laughs> next year because uh, uh, you know we could we could talk for Africa, I think. And <laughs> I've got some light to see. I wonder what the next <laughs> the next random topic we can do on that oh, one is. Man, There's plenty can... out there. Oh, there's just so much we can learn from your great knowledge. So, Dave, where can people find you and, um, you know, give us – can you can you search out that link if you can on the Bunyans? That'll be great. Certainly can. Um, yeah, my, my mum would be would be happy to be a, a, a star on uh, – Yeah, on, absolutely. Yeah. That'll be great. I've got one of those, so I need to work on those exercises. Now, if you do go to the Holistic Movement Coach um, YouTube, there are quite a few foot videos on there already because that's an area I lecture on a fair bit. I'll have yep. over the last few years anyway. Um, so there is a reasonable amount there. Uh, HM, uh, Harry, H for Halo, M for Margaret, that's mm-hmm. my mum's name, yep. uh, dash coach.com. That's um, where you can find Holistic Movement Coach. And particularly if you're looking, if you have some foot problems and need a hand there, um, my guys are on there too who uh, are trained up in this stuff. They can yep. they can help you in your local area if you're living if in you um, the, yeah. the, in the southern hemisphere anyway. Yeah, yep, no, fantastic. Um, that would be the place to, to have a look there. Okay, now that's really really gold. Thank you so much for your time. It's very early where you are, Dave, and I appreciate you getting out of bed early. <laughs> and uh, thanks very much for for sharing your wisdom today. It's been Great. awesome. Thanks, thanks again. Thanks for having me, Lisa. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. And head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com 